Uh, I have the privilege tonight of having a friend. Dude, I had to wear the loudest shoes I have just to just, get up just here to get on up stage here, just with get up you. here with me? I mean, I knew, <laughs> I knew this was going to be loud. I'm going to tell you what I toured Torrance, I don't know, several months ago, and I, we didn't know each other, but I told him, I, you know, we, I, I'll call him, and I don't care what you think about it. He's my brother from another mother, so it's all right. <laughs> but I told Torrance, I caught him out in the hall, I don't know. It was on an awakening yeah. night several, was, yeah. several months ago, and I said, I've been looking for you my whole life. In a minute. Because I have a hard time finding people who want to walk with God in such a way it doesn't matter what he says, how far out on the limb it makes you feel, this man will go. It's what is in his heart. And I said, man, I've seen it. You can't hide it. I see it. And I want to walk with you. Uh, the reason I enjoy that part is because just as soon as you get out on the far limb, a big buck demon comes along and saws it off in the free fall. Most people hate that part. I like that part. But he likes it more than I do. I love it. <laughs> so tonight I have the privilege of introducing a friend, a brother, and a man that knows and loves God. So would you please welcome Mr. Torrance Jackson. Thank you, Jeff. My, my aunt. Uh, I was joking with the song. Can we give it up for our song guy, Alan? He doesn't get recognized a lot, but... Amazing, just amazing guy. As he put on my, my microphone tonight, he said, I'm, I'm so sorry I have to give you the racist microphone. And I said, what do you, but I didn't realize that it's not uh, flesh color, JR. So we might need to order one that fits me specifically for the future. Uh, so I'll, I'll give you some color samples to go off of so that you uh, have something to work with. Uh, I am uh, the director of the school, so I got to put in a shameless plug because I care about my babies over at the school. And so if you have not gotten your Michael Jr. tickets, do so at therock.org. All right, that's it for my plug. Um, a lot of times uh, as speakers, uh, we get up here and I want to let you know something that we are on the exact same journey with you uh, and most times uh, maybe more jacked up and sometimes in some ways a little bit more lost. And so when you get up to speak, usually we're speaking from three different places. We're speaking of uh, from a place of where God is calling us to. Sometimes we're speaking from a place of where we have been. But tonight I I'm coming to you and speaking to you a place of actually where I'm at. And so I want to let you know that as, as I speak tonight, truthfully, I need to be sitting out there and hearing the exact words because this is a message that God is giving me for right now in my, in my time of my life. And so um, I get to walk every day in the grace of God, his unmerited favor. And one of the greatest pictures that I have of that is actually my wife, who is sitting here on the front row. Babe, can you wave to everybody? This is my, this is my wife, Beth, in the gray hat. Uh, truly, uh, truly the grace of God in my life. I get to wake up and see his love for me every day through, um, through her. So beyond thankful. So you guys got to get to know her because she truly is the better half. Anybody want to say amen to that? All right, yeah. My small group, they, they totally understand that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into a very familiar passage of Scripture that many of you, if you've spent any time in the church, you've heard it before. And I, I want to tell you this right now, that the enemy wants you to tune out and say, oh, I heard that story when I was five years old. But that's what the enemy wants to do because God wants to bring a word that I believe is for you tonight. 
And I don't think there's any coincidence that you find yourself here in the seats tonight to hear the word of God. And so we're going to turn to Joshua chapter 6, and let me just set a brief little kind of uh, the, paint the picture for you. So Joshua and Israelites, they just got done crossing the Red Sea through the miracle of God parting the Red Sea so that they could cross over. They now are camping in Gilgal which they're looking up at the mountain. They're saying, God, we know that you have called us to take this territory against our enemies, but in order to do so, there are two cities that we have to take. We have to take Jericho and we have to take Ai. Because Jericho and Ai, where they were strategically placed, if the Israelites could take that land, then that would give them the vantage point in which to fight their enemies from the north and then in which to fight their enemies to the south. So we pick up the story, Joshua chapter 6. It says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went in and out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast in the trumpets, have all the people give what? A loud shout. Give what? All right. Thank you, Pastor JR. I'm glad you're tracking with me. That's right. A loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the people, listen to this, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up the next morning and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests doing exactly what he instructed before, carrying the seven trumpets, went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them again, and the rear guard followed the Ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and then returned to camp. They did this for six days. On the seventh day, everybody say on the seventh day. They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by not taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and articles of the bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with sword everything living in it, men, women, young, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. So we're going to stop right there. So tonight, as we just journey, I'm going to ask you to strap in to your seatbelts, okay, because we're going to go pretty fast, and so you have to listen fast. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm used to talking to children. So if I get really animated and make a lot of expressions, 
because I'm just talking to kids, okay? So just ignore that part. I know I'm talking to adults. But tonight I want to ask you this. What, what's your Jericho? What's the situation that you are in right now that seems like there are insurmountable walls surrounding the promise that God gave you? So is your Jericho perhaps that you have been seeking God for healing in your life for two years and nothing has changed? Perhaps your Jericho is that you sit in the seat where you are right now alone because you have a husband who will not come with you to church because he thinks you're out of your mind and you have tarried and you have prayed for God to bring deliverance to your home, but you have yet to see it. Perhaps you are a person who is sitting here right now saying, I need a breakthrough in the area of a job and I don't know how God's going to deliver me. So the question is tonight is what is your Jericho? What's that area of life that when God gives you deliverance in this area, you will be poised to take the promises that God has you? Not just the promise of that Jericho, but all the things that God is going to give you. Because the Jericho is just the strategic place of your life that God wants to get you to so that you can take the territory that he's called you to. Amen? Amen. So tonight, as we journey into this, I want you to think about what is your Jericho? Because here's the reality. That sometimes the battle that God wants to win for you is the battle that he wants to win inside of you. But a lot of times in our Jericho, we're so focused on the walls that we're not really realizing the work that God wants to do inside of us. My wife and I have had mentors for about 15 years in our life, and they've coached us through so many difficult times in our marriage. And they say to us all the time, Torrance and Beth, you don't understand that most people in marriage do not hold on long enough till it gets good. They quit at their Jericho. They start walking around the walls of their marriage, and then they don't see the eventual breakthrough that God has for them. See, we look at Joshua, and we get a great example of what God wants us to do. See, God wants to see our Jericho, whatever that is, with spiritual eyes and through his perspective. Because the reality is, if we look at our Jericho through our perspective, we're going to say something like this, the walls are too big. There's no way. It's not coming down. I can't believe it. But Joshua heard the voice of the Lord, and he believed what God was telling him. We have to see with the eyes of faith. So I, I got these crazy glasses right here. Demonstration. Remember, kids? See, this is Joshua. Joshua's got on the perspective of God. Joshua's got on the eyes of faith. See, he's not just looking with physical eyes. He's looking with the eyes of his heart that have been enlightened, according to Ephesians 1. And so he sees through a different perspective. And the interesting thing is that when you get the perspective of God, you're going to have people saying, dude, uh, you look crazy. You, you really think God's going to give you that job that you've been asking for? Because they're not wearing the same glasses. They don't have eyes of faith to see that you see what God sees. So there's a little bit different perspective. But because you're grounded in God and because you only care about his perspective, you don't care what other people see. You only care what God sees. And see, when you're in your Jericho... God's not looking at the walls because he understands that he has the walls. He understands that there is a day coming very soon when the walls of your Jericho is coming down. So what is he fixed upon? What is God looking at if he's not looking at the walls of Jericho because he knows he has this? He's looking at us. He's looking at his children who are marching around the Jericho, and he's saying, are my children developing the intimacy that I want with them and the character that I want with them? Are they learning what I want them to learn as they journey around their Jericho? I have a seven-year-old um, son, my wife and I, and our daughter's in the front row, and she's 10. And um, 
He, has, he had a very, very brief career in wrestling. Mike knows he was there. Uh, and I mean brief, it was like one match. And, and, and as the dad, you get super excited. Like, this is the moment when my son, he's going to just embody his manhood, his seven-year-old manhood in the first match. And out walks a girl. <laughs> and not just any girl. She was probably, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm offending some homely people here. She was probably the homeliest girl that you've ever seen in your life. She steps out. And my son's looking at me like, yeah, we got this, Dad. We got my first one's a girl. I'm a whooper. La, 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 la. And then I look on the back of her shirt, and I see blood. And I'm like, oh, no. This girl can wrestle. We're in trouble. First minute, he's pinned down. He's got his leg bent back. He's, scre- he's cr- crying, looking at me. Dad, get me out of here. Literally, get me out. Rescue me in this moment. And I'm going to be honest with you, as a dad, that was painful to see your son getting pinned down by the home league girl within one minute, and he's crying for all the world to see. But I cared more, not about the victory of my son there in the moment, I cared more about his character and what was happening that moment. So when he literally ran off the mat and said, let's go home, I'm out. I said, no, 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 this is a teaching moment. And I helped him see things through the eyes of his father, through a perspective that he had yet to see that allowed him to get back into the battle, that allowed him to get back into his Jericho. And so we look at Joshua and we see right away that God wants us to see things through his eyes, through his perspective. And when we see things through God's eyes, and when we see things through God's perspective, then we can move into a place of taking hold of what God has told us. But we can't take hold of what God has spoken, like Joshua did, unless we first perceive with spiritual eyes, unless we first understand what God is telling us to do. In Isaiah 41, 13, it says this, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand which I love it. Can you just see God doing that? Just saying, just take my hand. I'm with you, according to Isaiah 41. And he says, do not fear, for I will help you. Take hold and don't let go. Because guess what? God's going to give you a promise of a restored marriage. God's going to give you a promise of the business that he has for you. God's going to show you with spiritual eyes the future that he has for you. But you think Satan, the enemy, is happy just you getting that little picture and dancing your sweet little way on the Jericho? No. He wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's looking for every opportunity. That's why we have to take hold of the things that God has told us to do. My son is in Cub Scouts, and I remember this demonstration that they showed of this canine dog. Anybody ever seen the demonstration of a canine dog, a police dog, and what, what actually happens? So the policemen are in there, and they're showing this demonstration to the little boys. And it's interesting because they speak German to the dog, which I think is interesting because I think a lot of times God speaks to us in ways that other people won't understand. So God is speaking, uh, so the, yeah, God, the police are speaking to this dog, and they give him this cue in German, and the dog just takes off, grabs a hold of this cop's arm, of course, he's in a suit, and will not let go. He's flailing, he's doing everything, will not let go. Some of us right now in this season of life need to be like that canine dog and take hold of the promises that God has given you and not let go. Dig your teeth in, dig your feet into what God said, because if God told you this a year ago, if God told you this last week, the word of God has not changed. God has not changed his perspective or his word in your life. Perhaps what has changed is the way that we're seeing it. 
So we need to take hold of what God has told us and not let go. Hebrews 10.23 says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. So you're saying, okay, Torrance, well, that, that's, that's great. How, I don't really know how, where to even get. Here's how it happens. Is you will not get the word that God has for you unless you get it from the intimate place. Because you won't know what to hold on to. And I think the problem with so many of us believers is we don't really know what God is really saying. We don't really know the promises that he's given us in his word. We don't really know what he has told us in the quiet place because if you're anything like me, I don't stop half the time long enough to rest in his presence to actually get the download. Now, I'll put on a podcast. I'll listen to like a little sermon. But what is God specifically telling me to do in my Jericho moment? Because that's the thing that we have to take hold of. And that's the thing that is going to get us ready for when God brings down the walls of our promise. And we see in verse 3 that it says, March around the city once with all of the armed men, that the men, they were ready for battle. They're already dressed, ready for battle. And here's the interesting thing about it. God spoke to who? Who did God speak to? Joshua. Thank you, Dad. That's my father-in-law shouting out to me. I appreciate it. Love the love. Yes, Joshua. The, the Israelites, they didn't have the same word, but they trusted in the God that had just delivered them. They trusted in their leader that he was hearing from the Lord, and they were actually ready and poised for battle on lap one. Once you take hold of the word that God has given you, here's what something interesting that happens, is that we now start to understand our position. We then start to understand our position in Christ and we start to understand like what verse 17 says, that the battle is the Lord's and it says, he has given us the city. Someone say he has. He has. Okay, we gotta we got practice a little bit better. Someone say he has. Yeah. Right, so it doesn't say maybe he'll give us if he really wants to, if we cross our fingers, then it says he has given us the city. So when we operate from a place of, hey, he's already done it, our position is a little bit different. We don't start over here saying like, God, I really wish that you would give me the city and maybe one. No, he has given us the city. So your Jericho, if God has spoken to you about your Jericho, he has already given you a restored marriage. He has already given you your job. He has already blessed your business. You may not be walking it out right now, but that doesn't change the fact that God has already given it to you. And see, the reality is that we operate too much from this position rather than this position. And as Jeff was talking about, the enemy, <laughs> he loves it when we operate from this position because it's much easier for him to knock us off. It's much easier for us not to walk around our Jericho unless we're standing in the position that Jesus Christ has for us. So there's no question. We all know here at Awaken that we were meant to fight. But the question is, who's doing the fighting? Is it us doing the fighting from this position or <laughs> this changes everything? because God has given us the city. So now God is allowed to flow through us. Now God is able to fight through us and there is no striving. And then we operate from a place of rest versus from a place of work. 
And I don't know about you, and this is where I'm talking to myself. I am sick and tired of living from this place. I'm getting tired. I'm getting beat up. I'm wore out. I want to start operating from this place where I sit back and say, go, daddy, you fight the battle for me. Go, daddy, you bring restoration. Go, daddy, you bring the promises that you have declared truth. Does anybody else want to join me in fighting from this position? Listen to this. The kingdom of God. Mike and I were actually talking about this like a week and a half ago. It's like upside down, right? It, it's, it's, it, and I think that's some of the problem is that if we're operating from a place of our flesh and not the spirit, man, man, we're, we're fight, oftentimes we're fighting the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is counterintuitive. And what I mean by that is we, all you have to do is look through the Bible and find out, okay? If you want to be rich, what? Give, you give, give away everything. If, if you want to live, die to self, right? If you have an enemy, what are you supposed to do? Punch him and kick him in the leg? Oh, no, that's right. Love your enemy. The kingdom of God is counterintuitive. And if you are going to see battles won in your Jericho, we got to start moving in a different way. The Israelites, let me tell you, I'm sure there are a couple people in the camp that said, uh, what, tell me again, Joshua, we're supposed to walk, not talk, and then at some point we're going to blow trumpets and we're going to win the battle? That makes no sense. But when you understand your position in God, it makes sense and it means everything. So it's already yours. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given to us all things, all things. Somebody say all things. All. That pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his virtue. What if God has already given us, according to 1 Peter 1.3, everything that we need? What if? What if God has already done it for us? And let me ask you this question. What if there are people like, hmm, let's just say Heidi Baker. Anybody know who Heidi Baker is? Okay. Let's just say there are people like Bill Johnson. Let's just say there are people like uh, Pastor Jeff, that they actually understand what God has said. They believe what God has said. And then they move into a place of receiving what God has said. So what if there's a table and it's got everything that God wants for us. It's got the healing that we've been seeking. It's got the job that we've been seeking. It's got the breakthrough in the city of Castle Rock that we've been seeking. And people, like what I just mentioned, they, they see it. They know, oh, huh. I understand God's given me that. I believe God's given me that. I'm going to receive it. Thank you, God. You're a good, good father. Yes, you are. All right. And we're... If you're anything like me, I, I got to get that. God, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best. I'm working for you. Is there any way I can have this? God, I love you so much. Can I please have this? And he's saying the whole time, son, receive what I've already done. My son, receive what I've already given you. So what happens if we all start understanding the blessings of what God has given us and we start moving into a place of receiving? Then there's no more striving because God has already done the work for us. If the grace 
of God. Grace has been called undeserved merit, undeserved merit of God. God has given us this, okay? See, that's what Joshua understood. Joshua already understood that God had already given him the battle, right? So God has already given us through his grace, we already know everything that we need for life and godliness. Then our response is a response of faith to move into what God has already given to us. See, it's grace and faith. And our faith is an obedient response to what God has already said. And see, that's what Joshua did. Joshua heard from God, he took a hold of the word of God, and then he simply moved through obedience and what God was already telling him to do. Grace has nothing to do with us, guys. It's already been done. There are battles that we are fighting, and I honestly think God is saying, dude, you are fighting a battle that I have already won for you, my child. You are, you are, you are striving for something that I have already given you. And Joshua understood that, and that's what God is calling us to tonight. We fight from a place of obedience, and we fight from a place of faith. Now, here's the key. It could be that the Jericho or the battle or the thing that you are looking for victory from is not the city that God has called you to fight at all. It could really be that you are walking around a Jericho that God has not called you to walk around. And that's where in the intimate times with God, in hearing his voice, we know God has called us to something. If God has called you to it, then he's gonna bring you through it, amen? And that's the difference. And so when we understand that, when we understand God's grace that he's already provided it for us, then we operate in a place of faith, a simple response through obedience, something happens in our walk with the Lord. Something will happens in our Jericho because God is looking for obedience. Last week, Brian Jenkins had a great word and there's something I took away from that. God is much more interested in my obedience before my understanding of a situation. See, I, I, I always want to wait. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I want, God, I need to know point A, B, and C, how this is going to work out. And if I know how it's going to work out, all right, then I'm going to go ahead and do it. But Joshua and the people, they walked around the walls for six days. I venture to say not one brick fell. If it was me, I'm like, man, I need to see at least a couple bricks. I, God, I need, to, I need to see some dust coming off. I need something. Nothing for six days. And if you're anything like me, I'm tired of giving up because I don't see anything. Because in the natural I can't see what's happening in the supernatural unless the eyes of my heart are enlightened to what God is doing. And then I take hold of his word and I trust him. Amen, somebody? Amen. And so God's bringing to us to that place of obedience before understanding. Here's what I thought was so interesting about this text is that God tells Joshua for the people, he commands them, do not say a word until he gives the signal. Right? Now, I've been in church a long time and I'm, I'm the guilty guiltiest of this probably. I love to talk about my Jericho to everybody else. JR, you're never going to believe the Jericho I'm fighting. Woo, so hard over at the school. We got these mountains to face and whoa, I'm just telling you, brother, just pray for me. Oh man, I just, well, one day, hey, you want to hear about my Jericho too? Hey Scott, here's my Jericho. And I think God sometimes is, uh, excuse me if I can say this in church, is probably saying, shut up. <laughs> All right, I'll be sure to give it to Mike. And here's why I think he's saying that. 
Not that I don't think he wants us talking to brothers and sisters of Christ about our struggles, and I get that, and I, and I get community. We're a church of real community. But I think God is saying, like, he, will you come to me first? Because you're having conversations with people that you and I haven't even had in the quiet place. You're having conversations about your situation with people that you haven't, you're crying out to others before even crying out to me. And I'm going to tell you, I've learned a lot by mostly 99% of mistakes in my marriage. One thing that I've learned is that when I come home and I'm excited about something and I come to my wife and I say, hey, you're never going to believe what happened at work. I w- this happened and, and then I saw Joey and I told him and then I saw, uh, I saw Colin and I told him and I, and I list 10 people that I shared it with. What do you think her response is going to be? She's not going to be happy to hear the news because she's going to say, honey, why didn't you share that part of your heart with me? Why didn't you share that intimate thing that happened to you at work with me first? Because as in a marriage, we want intimacy. And that's how you build it. And I think God is saying, even through this, will you go through your Jericho and will you trust me enough to have that conversation with me? Will you trust me enough to pour out your heart to me? Will you trust me enough that in their darkest hour that you're coming to me with the laments, the dark cries of your heart? Because we can't get to that place unless there's obedience to what God has called us to do. So we first understand what God has called us to do. We believe in what God has called us to do. And then we receive it. We receive it through obedience and through faith. And one last thing is just about that intimate place. And I mean, I could, I could give this, the microphone and just say, man, talk to me about what God is doing. And if God is doing something super uh, natural or miraculous in your business, in your home, in your family, in your relationships, I can guarantee you this. How God does it in your life is going to be different how he does it in somebody else's life. See, but here's the problem. If you're anything like me, I want to pick up a book and I'll say, step one, I can do that. Step two, step three. Because I don't want to trust. I don't want the faith. I don't want to risk. But it's in the intimate place that God gives us the specific download for our specific Jericho. Because there are ways that you're designed to walk around your situation that I'm not called to. God may call you to walk around your Jericho for seven months while he calls somebody else to walk around it for seven days. But we don't know that unless we're in the intimate place with God getting the specific instructions on how God wants us to walk around our Jericho. So here it is. God's calling all of us. And it may not be you directly. Maybe it's someone in your home. Maybe it's somebody in your business. But this is a time where God is calling us to push. This is a time where God is saying, after you receive what I'm telling you to do, and you believe it, receive it, and stand your ground. After you have done all you can, then just stand. This is the season God is saying that. I've heard a pastor once talk about the doors of life and how we all have doors that we're supposed to walk through. And he said, so many times you want to walk through door one and you're like, okay, I can walk through door one. Sometimes then you're like, oh, okay, God, I got to walk through door two, maybe door three. And we certainly don't want to go through door number nine, right? That's a lot of doors to open up. But the reality of life may be you've got to go all the way through door 21, 25, 26 to get to your door because your door may be number 32. But here's what's so interesting is if God told you, Ginger, you only got to go through 32 doors 
Guess what? You'd be like, woo, 32 doors, door number one, all right, door number two, all right, we're getting to 10, we're on 30, right? Because you know, if I just go through 32 doors, I'm going to reach my promise. But it doesn't work like that. Because if it worked like that, guess what? Character is not being developed. Guess what? The fruit of perseverance is not being developed. Guess what? The thing that God wants to develop in you in this first Jericho is not being developed. So you, you're going to get your tail kicked in AI <laughs> because you didn't get developed at Jericho. You can't take the north and the south because you didn't let God develop you through the doors of 32 doors. So this is a season where God is saying it's time to push. It's time. If you feel like giving up, don't give up. This is the time to press in even more. I'm going to ask the band to come on up at this time. Because the reality is, if God has given you something, it is time to take hold of the word that God has given you. And the reality is, is this, just like the Israelites in Jericho, the hardest part of your journey is right before your breakthrough. It's right before your breakthrough. Why in the world do you think that they had to, like, six days, they walk around once, the seventh day, they got to walk around seven times, seven times. So if you're experiencing difficulty right now, just hold on to what God has for you. Just hang in to the things that God has for you. Hold on to his promises and his word and get ready to receive. Because once God gives us something by grace, then we respond to it by faith simply because God has told us that it's ours. In Ephesians 1, 3, it says this, Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. It says he has blessed us already in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. It's not might. It's not maybe. If you're from the south, it's not fixing to. He's already done it. He's already, he has blessed you. He has seen you through your Jericho. He has seen you through the difficulties in your job. He has seen your child who is lost and does not know Jesus Christ already come back. It's time to press in and believe that God is who he says that he is. There's something amazing about this, that the trumpets, (laughs) that he blew the trumpets. And when the trumpets sounded, they gave out that loud shout that God has given us the city. The trumpets signified celebration and worship during festival times, but they also signified time for war. And it's so interesting to me that that is how the walls came down. And I want to tell you tonight that wherever you are in your circumstance, in your situation, God is, he's calling you to this place of praise. He's calling you to this place of will you worship me even though you yet to see the completion of your situation? Will you worship me because I'm worthy of worship in every circumstance and every season? Will you praise me because I've already given it to you? Will you praise me and worship me like it's already done? And I'll tell you this, if you chase after God with a heart of praise, you will find joy in your Jericho. You will find joy in your Jericho. You will find joy in the midst of your circumstances and situations. You won't need to see change, but the Spirit of God in you will leap up inside of you and will bring you joy in the midst of whatever you are dealing with. So we praise God and we thank God, I thank you. I thank you that you have already done it. I thank you for the job that you're bringing to me. I thank you for the new husband that you're bringing to me. 
I thank you for my healing. I praise you and I worship you that it's already done. Then we start praising from this position. We don't praise from a position of what if. We praise from a position of God, you've already done it. You've already won the victory. God is calling his people to rise up amidst your circumstance, amidst your situation. He is saying, push, push, don't stop. Will you praise me? Will you praise me to your victory? Will you praise me until I bring the breakthrough? Let's all stand up. God, if we could just get a hold of how much he loves us. If we could just get a hold of the things that he's putting you through, it's not punishment. It's not to hurt you or harm you. It is for our good. He is developing character. He's developing an intimate relationship with you because he so desires you. He so desires your heart. He so wants you. He wants all of us to step into the fullness of all the things that he has provided for us. So tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. In light of where you are, you may have to praise for somebody else today. There are people in your life right now that they don't have the strength to go on around their Jericho. You may have to pick them up. You may have to drag them. Say, walk with me. Walk with me. I know you're not strong enough to go around your Jericho, but I'm going to intercede for you. I'm going to walk with you. But tonight, whether you have a Jericho, somebody else has a Jericho, we're going to praise into it. We're going to praise God and thank him for deliverance. We're going to praise God if you are bound up in addiction. We're going to praise God and thank you that he has set us free. If you have somebody that has lost, we're going to praise him that they're already the prodigal that right now is already running home. We're going to praise him if God has promised you something and it is dark right now and you don't see it, we're going to say, God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you are still on the throne. I thank you that nothing has changed in my life. I thank you that amidst the circumstances and the perspective that everybody else sees, you're giving me your perspective. I thank you, God, that you're going to give me the strength. You're going to hold my right hand according to Isaiah 41, and you're going to see me through this. And God, I thank you that I can stand because of the grace of what you've done in my life. I can receive it and I can move forward in obedience. I can move forward in faith to what you've said. So tonight, God, we come after you tonight, God. Lord Jesus, we say, here are our Jerichos. Here are our situations, God. And we say, Lord, no longer, no longer will we give up. No longer will we stop walking. We will continue to press through, God, to press through, to press through and take hold of what you've already given us. God, we will praise you because wonderful and majestic is your holy name. Blessed be the name of the Lord in every situation. Our God who gives and takes away, worthy are you. So God, tonight with all that is within us, we lay down our situations. We stop working, we stop striving, God, and we move in victory from a place of rest. Victory is ours in you, Jesus. So, Papa, we just rest in you, God. God, we know that on the seventh, the seven, the number seven represents so many things in your word, and it represents perfection. <laughs> it represents completion, God. It represents a newness, God. It represents breakthrough. So, Lord, we thank you that our seven is coming. We thank you that our seven is coming, God, and we hold on to you until we get it. So God, tonight we worship and we come after you with all that is within us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.